wow, hey? How good is that? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And it speaks to my favorite button in the Bible, which I spoke about a few weeks ago. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life in abundance. I'm going to read that scripture today if you want to turn to John 10, 10. Actually, John 10. We're going to start at verse 2. John 10 from verse 2. If you got it, you can yell out, got it, got it. No, no, you got it. If you got it. John 10 from verse 2. For a shepherd, got it, awesome, awesome, nice echo there. For a shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens it for him. And the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks out ahead of them and they follow him because they recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will, they will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I assure you, I am the gate for the sheep, he said. All others who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Wherever they go, they will find green pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. How good does that sound, hey? Life in all its fullness. I think we all want it, yeah? Life in abundance. I, I saw that video on Facebook and was so challenged. I'm like, that is amazing. I just had a birthday, yippee! I turned, I know, I'm old now, turned 43 on Monday. I, I never used to, I know, I, I tell everyone I'm 28, but <laughs> every time my kids say to me, how old are you? I say 28. I've said that every year for years now. They go, oh, okay, yep. I found out my sister does the same thing. <laughs> anyway, 28, I'm 28. And there's something about the time that I turned 40, leading up to 40, just say three years ago, that made me start to really consider my life. Am I going in the right direction? Am I leading in the right purpose? And, and I became very melancholy and, and pensive about it. Anyway, my 40th birthday, I woke up and uh, it was 5.30 in the morning and I, was, I thought it was exceedingly rude that on my 40th birthday, you know, this big momentous day, that my husband would wake me up at 5.30 in the morning. How rude, it's my birthday, you should let me sleep in. So he wakes me up, Brings, out, brings me out to the lounge room and he hands me this present. Not a frying pan, no. Not a frying pan. Yeah, he woke me up at 5.30 for a frying pan. He would have copped that one. Anyway, just joking. <laughs> Erase. <laughs> so he wakes me up at 5.30 in the morning and he hands me a card. And I open it up and it says, um, Adrenaline Rush, High, high um, Something Adventures, whatever. Today, 2.30, you are skydiving. You are skydiving, right? So there's a couple of pictures you can put up um, that uh, should be in there. So I... <laughs> that is me on the edge of the plane, literally just about to jump out. It was absolutely incredible. I just want to say there's nothing quite as death-defying as that feeling. 15,000 feet up in the air. Now, Andrew mustn't be very good with computers and stuff because, like... I said to him, I'm, like years before, I'd be happy to jump out, but I'm thinking 6,000 feet, you know, like, because that's the low jump. But he didn't find it when he did the internet search to, for me to jump out of an airplane, and he picked the 14,000 foot jump. 
but I was the only one on the plane. So they thought they'd give me an extra treat and go up an extra thousand. Not, that was a bit scary. And there was a kid on the, on the plane with me and he was turning 18. And when um, he jumped at 6,000 feet, I realized at that point, we're not just going double that. Like, we're high, like 6,000 feet. It's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it just jumped out. And then I had this realization, I'm going up to 14. And then I didn't realize it later. They said, we actually took you up to 15,000 feet. And there's one minute from the top to the bottom, you can go the next one, of free fall. Free fall, one, that's me free falling through the air. There's another one of, oh my goodness. You can, you can see the curvature of the earth. You're so high. The guy said to me, just before I got on the plane, he goes, right, Paula, before you get on, bef- as soon as you get out of the plane, I'll go tap, tap on your shoulder. And when I go tap, tap, you've got to fling your arms back and kick your bottom like this. And I went, really? And he goes, yes. I go, well, what if like the adrenaline rushes just so much that I'm like, I didn't even feel the tap, tap. And he goes, we'll die, like this. <laughs> I went, what? And he goes, only joking, only joking. But I happened to be, have this incredible Italian, quite a good looking man with this incredible accent as my guide, which I thought was okay, but you know, that was pretty nice. Thank you, Andrew, for a birthday present. But let me just say, let me just say, at 15,000 feet, when they said to me, I'm on one seat, and they say, radio, climb over to the other right near the door. By the way, the whole way up in this tiny little airplane is open door. Like, that is so scary. And you have to go to the other side, and your legs are kind of over this school stool. And this guy literally straps you in and pulls you as close as, you, as he can to him. At that point, I don't care that he's a sexy Italian with an amazing accent. I, I don't care. Like, all I'm thinking is he could become the fruiter and sweaty as anything. I don't really care as long as he doesn't kill us today. Like, I don't really care. It was amazing. So we get out, <laughs> and I, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, I said to him, do many people, like, you know, say no at this point? Like, they go, no, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. He said, some do, but you won't. I'm like, why won't I? And he goes, you're too pumped, Julix. And they're like, oh, oh, oh. And I was too. I was really pumped. But at that point, I thought, I am crazy. I am insane. And then I thought, no, I'm, I'm living life to the full. I'm living this abundant life. And then I thought, no, I'm just going to die. That's it. Like, <laughs> I am totally crazy. We jumped. We fell. An attached parasite that I was, I was just on for the ride. That was it. And for that free fall, that one minute, who has done it here? Yep, it's pretty scary. Yep, some brave people in the room, it's good. For one minute free fall, I couldn't breathe. It's the weirdest feeling to fly for one minute out of the aeroplane um, with the 200 kilometer wind against you and it's really hard to take a breath. Like try driving at 200 kilometers an hour, stick your head out the window and see what that feels like. Get an idea, it's hard to breathe. And so, huh? That is illegal. Yep. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Only. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, no, no, don't do that. So, uh, yeah, pretty amazing. So I did think at that point as I jumped out and free-falling, well, I'm not going to die. Well, hopefully the chute will open, but I might suffocate and I might pass out and I might miss the whole thing, but I didn't. And all of a sudden, you can show the next one, the canopy opens. <laughs> And I'm beaming, as you can see there. And then he started doing loop-the-loops and fun stuff as we went down. And 
that, I really like that stuff. It was really, really fun. Really, really fun. So thank you for my 40th birthday present. It, that gift just keeps on giving. Yes, you can clap him. It was pretty good. <laughs> but like I said, since turning 40, that, that verse, the thief coming to steal, kill and destroy, that, that has plagued me. Am I really living this abundant life? I mean, jumping out of an aeroplane is pretty abundant. But in my everyday life, am I really living my life to the full? And I start, started to really question, am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I following the plan that God has on my life? Am I really following the dreams and the purposes and the plans it has for me, that God has for me? I'd like to say to everyone under the age of 40, which there's quite a few people here, don't wait till you're 40 to ask those questions. Start asking it now. God, what is your purpose and plan for me? And start putting it into practice. Start putting it into practice because the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy those dreams, those hopes, those desires that lead us to an abundant life. So I'm challenged to live each day living the call of God on my life, even if it's an ordinary mundane day, to live my ordinary everyday life in abundance. So how does the enemy steal life from us? John 10.10, or John 10, 2 to 10, we just read that. In it, it says that Jesus is the shepherd. But then it also says that he is the gate. That others will try and come and take the sheep away from the pen and lure them to this abundant life that they think is amazing. I'll find abundant life over here and over there. But Jesus says, I am the sheep, I am the gate, and I am the shepherd. Now, I read this and I must say, I was a little bit confused. I thought, what on earth? How, how can you be the shepherd and be the gate? And then I found out that in ancient times, that the shepherd of the sheep who was there to protect them, that flock from wolves and attack from robbers, actually at night time would position himself across the entrance of the sheep pen. That he or she, I guess probably he, would lie across that sheep pen and act as the gate. So if a wolf came in to rob, to steal, to plunder, to destroy the flock, the shepherd would know. The shepherd would, would absolutely know that an enemy has come to attack. So he is the shepherd, but he is also the gate. He stands as a guard for the sheep. Now, when we have Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, that is our promise. Jesus is our shepherd. He protects us. He holds us. Even when life is tough and even when life is really a big struggle, he is there to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us restoration, to give us joy in the high times and in the low times. He is absolutely there. And he is also there as the gate, as the gate to know when the enemy is attacking to protect, to stand guard. It is an awesome analogy. And they, they do that so they know when the wolf came in or even when a sheep left the pen. So the sheep, when the shepherd um, had a sheep, you know, cross over to run away, the shepherd would know and be able to lead the sheep home. What a beautiful analogy. Have Jesus as the shepherd of our lives, guarding, guarding this flock and also the gate the gate, that stand in the gap protector. Now, this is what happens though. How does the enemy steal this abundant life from us? We replace that Jesus gate 
with other things we think will bring us joy, satisfaction, and happiness. We replace the shepherd with things that we think will bring us joy, like I work really hard at my job and so therefore I'm going to find success and joy and fulfillment in my workplace. It never ever works, does it? Or I'm going to find um, um, success and joy and happiness in multiple relationships. Yes, that will make me happy. And, and it doesn't. It just leaves you empty and feeling lost. Or I'm going to find that fulfillment and happiness in pursuits of adrenaline rushes, like jumping out of airplanes or canyoning or going down whitewater rafting, whatever. I've done that too, by the way. It is fun. But it's not going to lead to lasting joy. It's not going to. The enemy will tell you that you can find fulfillment, complete fulfillment in other pursuits, drugs, alcohol, relationships, pursuit of money, pursuit of rental properties even. But it doesn't match up. It never fulfills that, de- that desire in us. It never fulfills that deep longing we have in us to, to be who God has created us to be. Am I right? I've heard people at the end of their lives, and that is true, the regret is so true. I remember when um, Renee Rifkin died. I don't know if you remember this. One of the world's richest man, men. And he died by, the, by his own hand. All the money in the world didn't give him the joy that he needed. Didn't give him the hope. It's kind of like this. Eskimos. Apparently, when they're hunting wolves... They have this interesting way of hunting and they'll get a knife and they'll actually dip the knife into seal, into a seal and put the seal fat all over a knife and they'll put that knife in the ground, blade up and a wolf, who they want for their supper and also to, to stop, you know, they want to kill it, um, will smell that fat and come over to the knife and begin to lick the knife and then they cut their tongue inevitably But the blood, which they like the taste of, makes them want to keep eating. And they keep at this knife until it actually, I know it's pretty morbid, isn't it? (laughs) But it actually kills them. It actually kills them. It's a pretty horrible way to die. But the truth is, it's kind of like us when we pursue other things. When we, we pursue things that are not of God. You actually think it tastes really good and you go for it. But slowly, ever so slowly, it is destroying your soul. It's destroying your heart. It's destroying the dreams that God has placed on you before you know it. You're not where you want to be and you're a shell of the person you wish you were. I remember hearing children, you hear them in um, the playground and you say to them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they don't say, I'd really love to be a prostitute. I mean, that's just stupid, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's just a crazy notion. And yet people end up with this, I'm, I'm licking the knife kind of attitude and they're just seeking, I'm seeking this joy, that fat, that smell, that whatever, and they're destroyed and their life is down the drain. It's a, it's a challenge. Jesus is the only source of true joy. If you are looking to have an abundant life, don't look to other pursuits. You will not find it there. You will only find it in Him. It is only found in Him. So what does this abundant life look like? I want to tell you, in our very first appointment was out to a little town called Griffith, which is far western New South Wales. Anyone know where Griffith is? Oh, like everyone. Awesome. 
I don't know, it's about eight hours or so drive from Sydney and um, you're in the middle of the desert pretty much. And um, this family called us, it was pretty awful, right after um, Red Shield Appeal. And they were destitute. They had lost absolutely everything in a house fire. It was a family of six, mum, dad, four kids. And um, unfortunately, they'd gone to help somewhere and um, all they wanted <laughs> was pots and pans, they said. And the person, sadly, from Salvation Army had said to them, oh, sorry, we don't have any pots and pans here and sent them on their way. It was pretty awful. And so we got a phone call saying, oh, why did you turn these people away? We didn't even know about them. So it was pretty awful. So I rang them up and I said, um, look, I'm sorry about your situation. I'm sorry that um, someone had turned you away from receiving help and how can I help? And so her and I went shopping the next day. So she showed up at Big W and thankfully Griffith, had, Griffith Corps had a bit of money. So we were, I, not that that is everything, but it really liberated us. So I just want to say it really libera liberated us to be able to help this family. And so I went to Big W with this lady. There she was, shoeless, hair a mess, kids a complete mess, no shoes on their feet. And I said to them, I will um, help you just cross the line basically till your insurance kicks in. So I just bought them the basic bare necessities of life, a couple of pairs of clothes each for each family member, some shoes to get you over the line, um, you know, pots and pans, <laughs> got the pots and pans in there and other things. And our family store is fabulous and they got heaps of blankets donated to them. Other agencies were able to help as well and provide accommodation and bedding. People in the core offered their own goods. Someone gave them a fridge and a freezer. And so this family, for a loan, they didn't give it to them to keep because they'll get insurance, but they got covered and got over the line. I've got to tell you that that one moment for me was a better fulfillment inside here than any jumping out of an aeroplane. Like, I got to tell you, doing the stuff that God has called you to do and seeing God use you in those situations is life changing. When you really put your foot down and say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you want me to go. And you see a family that's hurting and you can help. Wow, what a difference it makes and what an amazing feeling it gives of fulfillment. You know, when you step into the things that God has for you, that is when the abundance starts to flow and you really start to live and really start to see God move in your life. Are you with me? You with me? It's good. It was good. When I look at abundant life in the Word of God, the person who stands out to me as living an abundant life, Damo spoke about last week, is Paul. Paul. Before he became full-on sold out for God, he was full-on sold out to being a Pharisee as Saul, wasn't he? This guy lived life completely, even, yeah, even before he found Christ. But after he found Christ... His life took on a radical new pursuit. Now, it didn't mean that his life was all high, did it? I mean, he went through shipwrecks. He went through being stoned by, you know, people trying to kill him. He went through loneliness and despair, in prison, locked away. He went through incredible joy when the church generously gave to his need. He went through amazing joy when people, because of his word and his testimony, came to know Jesus. I mean, this guy lived every high, every low, and everything in between, all because he was sold out to the dream that God placed on his life. It's pretty cool. If you, if you want to get into the Word, 
and want to hear about a great guy, read about Saul who became Paul. And he wrote this verse in Romans 8, one of my absolute favourite verses. It says this, can, from Romans 8 from verse 35, can anything ever separate us from God's love? Doesn't mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or cold or in danger or threatened with death. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Despite all these things, abundant life is still ours. Even when you go through the depths and the darkness, even when you go through the highest of highs, when you step into what God calls you to do, it is abundant living. It is living life to the full. This is the promise when we live with Jesus as our Lord, with him as the shepherd and as the gate. Here's the thing. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. You can choose to live this but I have come that you might have abundant life life or you can choose to let the enemy keep stealing robbing your joy your hope your dreams the things he's placed on you pursuit of money won't do it drugs won't do it success at work won't do it even good works at church won't do it is only found in the grace that he offers us. That is the only place it is found. The thief wants you to believe that abundant life is found in these other pursuits. But I want you to picture that knife in the ground. It is just like that. You don't realise it until it completely destroys you. It is not the life that God has for you. But when we receive his grace, we find abundant life in anything and everything. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Personal statements here. I am blessed. I am blessed beyond measure. Every day I get up to an ordinary life with my precious family. Blessed. Yep. Jumping from an aeroplane was amazing, but around me in the ordinary world in which we live, I'm blessed with great and grateful for amazing people who input into my life. And I'm still blessed and grateful when the kids spread Weet-Bix all over the table. Like, seriously, why? Or when my husband's away at um, Equip, my daughter vomits through the back seat. I'm still living life abundantly. I mean, it's not a high, is it? But I'm still, no, it's most definitely not a high. It's still living my life, choosing gratefulness, choosing, choosing joy, choosing to be a person who says, you know what, I'm going to experience this life, the highs and the lows truly living when I see people come to Jesus in this place, truly living, not just in this place, but it is amazing to me when people find Jesus in this place and truly experiencing life when you see people walk away. I don't know about you, but gosh, it grieves me. How much does it grieve God? Experiencing life when I experience the grief and loss of miscarriage and then blessed abundantly when my husband my friends picked me up again 
truly blessed, obviously, when I heard the cry of my firstborn child. And then 18 months later, two little miracles I never thought I'd have. Experiencing life when I get to help someone like that family who've experienced incredible loss. When I listen to their cry, when I hold their hand and cry with them. Living life when the lawn's overgrown. <laughs> the washing's piling up. Ugh. When there's no food in the cupboard and you're like, oh, I can't get out to the shops. Truly fulfilled. And you see how your input helps others. And truly grieved when the help you're offering they don't accept. Whoa. Some people here saw me the other day when this happened exactly and oh man, that, that was hard. So hard. Truly living when I laugh with friends and have a good time and grieved when I say goodbye to loved ones. It may not always be pretty, but I'm choosing to say, God, I want to walk in your plans for my life. And if tomorrow God says to me, Paula, I want you to, I want you to, you know, whatever, write a book, put it down on paper, write new songs. I want to step into the calling that he has on my life. And I want to live the abundant life that he has for me. And I want you to too. Not because of any other thing that I know that God's plans for you are good. And he loves you abundantly. If I want it for you, how much more does God want that for you? Whether I skydive out of an airplane or not, I'm going to choose to live life to the full through his grace, with his strength. So don't let the enemy steal your abundance. Receive his grace and follow the calling that he has on you, for you. Allow him to be your shepherd and allow him to be the gate. Don't put other things in the way of that gate. Stop putting other things there. They will not satisfy. In fact, they will destroy you. Write the book you've been dreaming of writing. Volunteer in that place you've always felt like you wanted to volunteer. Write the letter to your family member who you're estranged to apologize. Forgive. Don't do it. Don't wait till it's too late. Fulfill that plan that God has for you. Receive his grace to be all that you can be today. If you today have been living with a counterfeit saviour, trying to find abundance everywhere else, I want to encourage you today to make the decision to let Jesus be your shepherd, let Jesus be your Lord, hand him your life, receive his grace and be all that God has called you to be. We're going to sing a song and um, Hannah's picked this beautiful song. And as we sing it, you can join with us if you'd like to. If you'd like to surrender that life to Jesus again and say, Jesus, I've been serving as counterfeit Lord. I need you as my saviour. The place of prayer is open. If you just want to say, you know what, I'm going to step up and I'm choosing abundant life, that's it. And you want to pray out the front, that's fine. If you want to pray with each other, that's fine. You just follow what God is calling on your life today and step up and see the amazing things that God will do when you say yes to him.